0: Well, listen, we are going to continue uh, this morning, the second part of a series I started last week on lessons from Gideon. Take your Bibles, if you would, and turn to Judges chapter 6. We're going to look at verses 36 through 40, and we're going to pick up probably one of the most understandable, and and, uh, not only understandable, but one of the most familiar portions of the story of Gideon. How many of you just love this guy? I love what the Lord did for him. So in Galatians chapter 6, verse 36, it says, So Gideon said to God, If you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said, Look, I shall put out a fleece of wool on the threshing floor. If there is dew on the fleece only, and if it is dry on all the ground, then I shall know that you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said. And it was so. When he arose early the next morning and squeezed the fleece together, he wrung the dew out of the fleece, a bowl full of water. Then Gideon said to God, do not be angry with me, but let me speak just once more. Let me test, I pray, just once more with the fleece. Let it now be dry only on the fleece, but all the ground let there be dew. And God did so that night. It was dry on the fleece only, but there was dew on all the ground. Lord, thank you this morning for your word and that we're able to grow, that we're able to come more like you. Thank you, Father, for the challenges that you bring us through the word, but thank you for your kindness that reminds us that you're for us. Now, Father, may we decrease and may you increase, and all God's people said. I want to remind you last week we looked at the beginning of how Gideon was hiding in the wine press, and the angel of the Lord showed up to him and and said, I'm going to use you to bring victory to Israel from all of its enemies. And the angel looked at him and called this man who was cowering and uh, hiding a mighty man of valor. We left off last week where Gideon said, if this is what you want to do through me, and if it's as you say... I want to test you. Remember, Gideon tested God twice. The one we just read about is the second one. The first one we talked about last week, where Gideon began to make a meal, and he placed the meal before the angel, and the angel said, pour it out as a sacrifice on the rock. And the angel consumed the sacrifice with fire from heaven. And then the angel of the Lord went up into heaven. And the angel spoke to Gideon and said, I will do what I promised that I would do, that I'll give you victory, that I'll lead you and guide you. Gideon made an altar to the Lord right there and declared that the Lord is peace. This man that had lived his life fearful and afraid, Knowing that God was angry with Israel and had brought the things that had come upon Israel, God had done it because he was angry with them. At that point, Gideon had a transformation in his life. He realized that God was no longer angry at him, but that God was for him. How many of you are glad that God's no longer angry with you, but he's for you? If you are, say a good amen. It's important that you understand that that changes everything about the way that we pursue the Lord. Gideon discovered that he 's a God of peace and that God is good. The thing that I posted on Facebook that Pastor admin uh, responded to says this: "The goodness of God is both our battle cry and our lullaby. How many of you have found that once you know that God is good, you can trust him whether you 're awake or asleep? Now, I want us to jump into this part of the the lesson. I love this part because I love that Gideon, even after knowing that God was good, he still needed to know that if God was going to work through him, he needed to see something tangible that would completely set him at ease. Listen, how many of you have been in a place where God's asked you to do something and you've asked him for a sign? Anyone in here ever needed a sign from the Lord? I want to tell you, I love when God's people are bold enough to ask him for a sign. To me, this is exciting. Many times we Look at the people of the Word of God, and we think, well, you know, I would never do that because I think that that's a lack of faith. But the truth is, it's not. I've heard many preachers, and if you've ever heard me speak on Gideon before, I've heard many people criticize Gideon for the fact that he asked for a sign from God. I've heard people chastise him and say it was a lack of faith. But I want to tell you, it actually takes more faith. Gideon already knew that he had peace with the Lord, and it took great faith to know that God would give him clarity and certainty. And encouragement. I want to remind you that Gideon was still growing and learning how to trust the Lord. He had learned that he was at peace with God. He had learned and seen the power of God face to face. But now he was about to step out into the power of God on his own. One of the things that I found that holds many Christians back from stepping out into the power of God is the fact that they are afraid that if they do, God won't do what he's asked them to do. You ever been there? God, you've asked me to do this, but will you really show up? And what Gideon says is, I want to know, God, that what you're asking me to step out in faith to do, that I'm going to see it. You never hear God discipline Gideon. And I want to remind you that it's natural when you're starting out with the Lord or when God's asking you to do something significant that you, it is okay for you to know that you're clearly hearing from him. I found this. God is always patient with our faith process. Always patient with our growing process. You will never become a person of faith until you deal with your doubts. Anyone in this room ever have some doubts? Anyone deal with doubt just once or twice in your life? Now listen, here's something you need to understand. It takes faith to deal with your doubts. And doubts don't just disappear. Doubts have to be overcome. And I wanna remind you that doubt is not the same as unbelief. Doubt is questions, and it's okay to have questions. Someone say a good amen. Listen, if you stay in doubt, you'll move to unbelief. But the fact that you have doubt or experience doubt in your life does not mean that you don't trust God. It doesn't mean that you lack faith in God. As a matter of fact, in the middle of his doubt, Gideon asked God to show him something so remarkable that it would settle all the questions that he had inside of him. Listen, God overcomes our doubts and uncertainties with reassurance and with kindness and with proof. I think one of the greatest tricks the enemy has placed on the modern church is if you have doubts, then you shouldn't question God. And so there are many people that God wants to do things through and wants to work through and accomplish things through their life, but they never dealt with the doubt. They just felt that there was something wrong with them. So they stopped right there, and the enemy paralyzed them. And the enemy's used pastors, and he's used other well-meaning Christians to look at you and say, if you have doubts, then there's something wrong with your faith. But the truth is this. Gideon already had the issue of trust in God and faith in God settled. He just needed to know that God would work through him. How many of you believe in God? How many of you know that He's real? How many of you have seen Him do some miracles in your life? But there's one thing to watch them, there's another thing to become a part of them. And Gideon said, Listen, I need to know God, and I'm going to ask you to do something remarkable. There's been several things when we started out in ministry that God did for Don and I. We asked him specific things. There were things that God wanted us to do, things that in the natural didn't make sense at all, And I'm thankful for other people who poured into our lives and say, listen, the fact that you have doubts means that you're a thinking person because God's asking you to do something supernatural that you can't do on your own, that can't be done in your own power, that He has to be involved in doing. And so we did what Gideon did. We asked specifically, and God answered perfectly. As you're about to see, After the two nights that Gideon had, the first one where he had to learn about the goodness of God and then this other time where the fleece was dry and then it was wet, there came a point where Gideon never questioned if he was hearing from God. Even when God began to ask him to do some pretty crazy things. Someone needs to hear this this morning. God is not afraid of your fleece and he's not angry about your asking. He's gentle, and he's patient, and he's willing to work as you grow in faith. The question is, is will you get to doing what he wants you to do after he proves to you his will and his way in your life? The Bible says that that morning, Gideon got up and moved out. And once God proves himself, we must put feet to our faith. I want to tell you that there must come a time when you run with God's promise. Once you've questioned it, once you've asked him about it, and once he's proven to you that it's what he wants you to do, you have to get up and go. I want to remind you that what I think Gideon did was genius. I love it. I love that Gideon asked God specifically for a sign. When God was dealing with Don and I about going into ministry... Brittany was about six months old. We were just teenagers. I was just working to make a living. I knew that I was called by God to go into ministry, but I didn't know the next step to take. And I began to pray. I said, God, here's what I want you to do. I want you to send someone to where I'm working. I worked at a place called Busy Beaver. It was like before you had uh, Home Depot, they had Busy Beaver. And let me tell you, Home Depot is much better than Busy Beaver. I'm just going to tell you right now. But I was working in the Lauden Garden Department of Busy Beaver, making about $275 a week, just trying to feed my family. How many of you remember when you could feed your family? How many of you know that's not possible now, unless God does a miracle? Here's, but here's what I want to tell you. We were, I was sitting there working one day, and a friend that I had grown up in, in church with, he was a pastor's son, and his father had actually moved uh, and was pastoring another church. And uh, one day, about a week later, Wayne walks into Busy Beaver to buy bricks. They're, they were in a group called the Master's Commission, and they were doing something called the Power Team. You ever seen the Power Team where they, they go out and they evangelize in a neighborhood, and they set up bricks, and then they break them with their arm, or they hit them with their head? I got to do some of that. That was fun. I don't do that anymore. <laughs> but Wayne walked into the, walked into the store, that day, and he looked at me, and, and we began to talk. We were catching up, and I said, listen, God's called me to ministry, but I'm not sure where to go. And he goes, Marvin, I wasn't even planning on coming here today, but someone told me they had a sale on these garden bricks. How many of you know ministries like sales? Amen. But God sent him right there, and he said, listen, God brought me right here because I believe you're supposed to be over in Arizona going to ministry school. I had asked God specifically to send someone that I knew into that place And he brought him the week later all the way from Arizona, from Phoenix, Arizona, just to to talk to me. Can I tell you, God does that when you pray. When you ask, you shall receive. If you believe that, say a good amen. Amen. And I can tell you that was the beginning of trusting God for me. Just at 19 years of age, knowing that God would make a way and would do miracle after miracle. Not once did God chastise me for laying out a fleece and asking him to show me and give me proof and give me direction and I want to tell you time after time throughout our ministry now over 30 years later we have watched the hand of God do things like that time and time again listen Gideon got to see the miracles of God because he dared to ask that God would assure him and if he'll do it for us he'll do it for you if you believe that say a good amen Amen. now another lesson that we'll learn is that when God wants to do a work he wants us to know that it's him that's doing it. You know, and as believers, we've gone so used to being able to do things on our own. How many of you would like to do things on your own? It's easier. Because I can make it happen. Judges 7, 2 through 3 says this, Then the Lord said to Gideon, You have too many warriors with you. If I let, you, uh, let all of you fight the Midianites, the Israelites will boast to me that they saved themselves by their own strength. Therefore, tell the people, whoever is timid or afraid may leave this mountain and go home. So 22,000 of them went home, leaving only 10,000 who were willing to fight. Now, I want you to get this. Someone needs to hear this that out of 32,000 people, only 10,000 truly were warriors. Here's what I found. True warriors are only a small percentage of most people. 22,000. The majority of the people gathered were fearful, and they were afraid, and they gladly went home. They recognized the battle that they faced. This truth surprises many of us who desire to be like a Gideon. Can I tell you, I love the people of God, but I believe that God is doing something within the body of Christ. Listen, the truth is, when you see the way most Christians respond and the way most people respond, even in our day and age, they'd rather go home and rather be comfortable than be in the middle of the fight, to be in the middle of what God is doing, to be part of the miracle, but to be part of the things that God is doing. Most just want to live their life. They're quite fine with leaving the battle up to others, The truth is that many can't just hang and they don't really want to be there and they'll look for every opportunity to walk away even if it means being enslaved and harassed. I found that most people don't want to rock the boat. They don't want to be seen as troublemakers and many are not truly warriors. But then here's what God did. He said those 10,000, they're still too many. God wanted to do something amazing. Can I tell you, do you believe today that God still does pretty amazing things? You see, God wants to do a work so that we know it's not us, so that we can't claim the glory so that we can't claim to be smarter, or better, or faster. Listen, I want to tell you, God wants to work through people who are willing to say whatever you want to do against the odds, that you'll work through me, you'll do a work so that people will know it had nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with God. Is there anyone here this morning who's just willing to give all the glory to the Lord? Take none of the credit for themselves. Take none of the thing and say, this is about me. I want to tell you, when you look at Moses, Christians and churches, we're like the celebrities of the world. We want the credit. We want the adulation. We want people to notice. But the Bible said, if he will be lifted up, he'll draw all men unto him. In Judges 7, 4-7, through but the Lord said to Gideon, the people are still too many. Bring them down to the water, and I will test them there for you there. Then it will be that of whom I say to you, this one shall go with you, the same shall go with you. And whomever I say to you, this one shall not go with you, the same shall not go. So he brought the people down to the water, and the Lord said to Gideon, Everyone who laps from the water with his tongue as a dog laps, you shall set apart by himself. Likewise, everyone who gets down on his knees to drink. And the number of those who lapped, putting their hand to their mouth, was 300 men. But all the rest of the people got down on their knees to drink water. Then the Lord said to Gideon, By the 300 men who lapped, I will save you and deliver the Midianites into your hand. Let all the other people go, every man to his place. From 32,000 to 300. There's a reason God answered Gideon's fleece prayer. Because God needed Gideon to be able to look back and go, remember it was dry, just like you asked. And it was wet, just like you asked. Now Gideon, you're going to fight over 100,000 people with 300 men. How many of you love God? I want to tell you what I found throughout 30 years of ministry is this. God never once has let the odds be in my favor. Not once. Not once has God said, I'm going to overwhelm you with everything that will let you know that you can do this. Every time God has said, I'm going to make sure that you know that it's me. All you need to do is be obedient, but this is going to be my work. This is going to be my hand. I just need you to be faithful. God was looking, listen, for intelligent people who were alert and ready. And think about that. Out of 10,000, only 300 of them were self-disciplined, aware, and alert. We see that today. There are many who are gung ho, but few who are truly ready. There are warriors and even spiritual warriors who are ready and willing to fight, but they're not really ready. And some of them aren't all that bright. Listen, there's a reason he took the ones that know how to use their hand as a tool. They've matured, they've grown. They were alert and looking around. I want to tell you, I believe that God is raising up believers who are bright, who are intelligent, who are ready, who are alert, who are willing, people who are spirit-led people who are ready and watching what the enemy is doing. They're not just waiting for others to tell them what to do. I believe that God is raising up intelligent, prayed up, thinking people, people who know the word of God, believers who are ready for battle and able to think and reason for themselves. Come on, someone say a good amen. I want to tell you I love what God is doing among his people in our day and age. D.L. Moody said, give me 10 men who fear nothing but sin and love nothing but God, and I'll change the world. In 1 Peter 5, 8, and 9, in the Amplified, it says, be sober, well-balanced, and self-disciplined. Be alert and cautious at all times. That enemy of yours, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, fiercely hungry, seeking someone to devour. But resist him. Be firm in your faith against his attack, rooted, established, immovable, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being experienced by your brothers and sisters throughout the world. You do not suffer alone. Listen, can I just remind you this morning, believer of God, you are not alone. When God's asking you to be ready and alert and and to be ready in the battle, you're not going through it alone. Every believer that's seeking the face of God knows the attack of the enemy. All of them will see God doing impossible things through their life and bringing victory. Understand that you're in good company. I used to think that the weird things God would ask me to do or the things that would come up in my life were just unique and that I was alone and all that. And I wanted to know what was wrong. And then I got to talking to other believers and I realized that God does that to every one of us. Because he's maturing us. God is raising up Firmly rooted, established, immovable people. Those who understand the plans of God, not walking in self-pity, but realizing that resisting and facing the devil is a normal thing. People who are emotionally, mentally, and spiritually disciplined and balanced. Can you imagine as Gideon's standing there with 300 warriors, and he'd watched all the rest go home. Boys, it's us. Can you imagine as he looks at those 300 and says, Now he has to do the rallying call? He's the leader. It'd be easy for him to stand there again with 35,000 people, but God called him now to rally the 300. But because he had the fleece, because he knew that God wasn't angry with him, because he knew the goodness of God, Gideon could now give them the rest of the plan. Today we believe that everything is about size, But God wanted Israel and Israel's enemies to know that it wasn't about size of the army, but about the size of their God. That it's not by might, that it's not by power, but it's by the Spirit of God. There were now going to be 300 men against 135,000 Midianites. What God wants to remind us again is that little is much with the Lord. Come on, how many of you know that God is amazing? Now, another lesson that we learned from Gideon is that God is always doing more behind the scenes than we realize. In Judges 7, 9 through 15, it says, It happened on the same night that the Lord said to him, Arise, go down against the camp, for I have delivered it into your hand. But if you are afraid to go down... Now, after all that Gideon had seen... God still understood that 300 men against 135,000 was still pretty daunting in the natural. I want you to catch this. If you're still afraid, if you're still unsure, do you realize that God is just patient with us in the middle of the work? But if you're afraid to go down, go down to the camp with Pura, your servant. And you shall hear what they say, and afterward your hands shall be strengthened to go down against the camp. Then he went down with Purah, his servant, to the outpost of the armed men who were in the camp. Now the Midianites and Amalekites, all the people of the east, were lying in the valley as numerous as locusts, and their camels were without number as the sand by the seashore in multitude. And when Gideon had come, there was a man telling a dream to his companion, and he said, I have had a dream. To my surprise, a loaf of barley bread tumbled into the camp of Midian. It came to a tent and struck it so that it fell and overturned and the tent collapsed. Then his companion answered and said, This is nothing else but the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, a man of Israel. Into his hand, God has delivered Midian and the whole camp. And so it was... When Gideon heard the telling of the dream and its interpretation, that he worshiped and returned to the camp of Israel and said, Arise, for the Lord has delivered the camp of Midian into your hand. Can I just tell you right now that God knows how to get into the heads of every enemy you've ever had? God knows how to do psychological warfare better than the devil ever did. Come on, someone say a good amen. God can even deal with people and what they're thinking and then take you right to where you need to overhear things. I love it when God draws back the curtain and allows us to see that he's at work. One of the things that I've learned serving the Lord is that there's always more going on than you know about. How many of you have found that to be true? You ever gone through the thing and God brought you a video? See, remember, we're reading this after the case. This was written about what happened. You ever gone through something on the other end of it, you begin to find out all that God was doing? I love that stuff. I love that we get to read about Gideon going down and having to listen to someone else's dream. How many of you know that just got him stirred up? God said, I want you to go and hear something. There's 135,000 people, and he just happened upon the outpost of the guy that was telling a dream. How many of you know that the steps of the righteous are ordered of God? Do you believe that this morning? Listen, I want to tell you, when you begin to live like that, life becomes very different. Can I just tell you, God is raising up people who walk that way, live that way, understand what God is doing, and know how to trust him. God is at work in such a detailed way that we don't even know about or we would even think about on our behalf. And he's always doing more in our situations than we understand. And Gideon learned, and so must we, God's always at work in ways and in people's lives that we have no idea about. Another lesson that we learn from Gideon is this. If you're taking notes, write this down. That there's something about a shout. There's something about a shout. So Gideon and the hundred men, this is Judges 7, 19 through 21. So Gideon and the hundred men who were with him came to the outposts of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch just as they had posted the watch. And they blew the trumpets and broke the pitchers that were in their hands. Then the three companies blew the trumpets and broke the pitchers. They held the torches in their left hands and the trumpets in their right hands for blowing. And they cried, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. And every man stood in his place all around the camp. And the whole army ran and cried out and fled. Listen, there are times, church, when it's time to be quiet And then there are times that you need to make some noise. The Israelites, remember, they marched around Jericho quietly for six and a half days. They walked around silent. And then the last time around, they let out a shout and God broke down the walls. The Bible says this, that the righteous are as bold as a lion. The Bible says that Jesus is known as the lion of the tribe of Judah. And I want to remind you about this. Lions know how to roar. Lions roar. It's what lions do. Is there anyone in here who's a lion? See, the Bible says that Satan goes around like a roaring lion, but the Bible says that the righteous are a a lion. Listen, do you see yourself as a lion? The truth is, if you look at a lot of Christians, they don't. When I was growing up in Pittsburgh, we had lions at the Pittsburgh Zoo. And I loved going to them. We always liked going to the zoo. And I remember we are on... The entrance to the zoo, the lions were all the way on the other side of the, the zoo. And Pittsburgh's got a huge, huge zoo. Huge. And I remember coming up the escalator into the entrance of the zoo and you could hear the lions roaring. And I remember as a kid, I mean, it shook you. It was loud. That roar of the lion just kind of went through you. And it wasn't like they were close and they were roaring and it went through you. They were on the other side of the park. So we weren't just hearing, uh-huh we were hearing the full force of that roar. It was incredible. I remember as a kid, I went, There's something about the roar of a lion. Do you understand that when you understand the power of God is inside of you when you face the, uh, the enemy and you begin to lift up praise and you begin to lift up a shout, that God works through your life. Listen, there's a time to praise. There's a time to roar. There's a time to shout. And a time for a roar cry that says, we're coming and God is coming and we mean business and we're invested in what is doing. There's a time our shout will bring down the walls and strongholds. And there are other times that we need to declare the intentions of God and let Him do the rest. The enemy doesn't know what to do with the roar. It doesn't. I found that bullies don't know what to do with the roar. You ever been bullied by someone before? Growing up being bullied, I remember one time. After my stepfather came in, he looked at me. He said, you need to look at him and tell them, you're not backing down. And I did. They didn't know what to do with that. I used to always run. Listen, Christians need to learn to square up with the enemy. You need to square up with the enemy, knowing that greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. In Judges 7.22, it says, when the 300 blew the trumpets, the Lord set every man's sword against his companion throughout the whole camp. And the army fled to beth Acacia toward Zerah, as far as the border of Abel-Maloa by Tabith. I love that. You see, the warriors not only had something in their hands, they had something inside of them. And that was the Spirit of God and the praises of God. Someone needs to hear this this morning. The true warriors of God may be good with a sword, but they're not filled with hate for the enemy. They're filled with the praises of God because of his goodness and his kindness and his glory. And you need to know, the Bible says in in Psalms 149, 6, that the high praise of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand. Whatever's in your heart is going to come out of your mouth. And it's amazing how quickly Gideon's enemies turned on each other. As a matter of fact, God got them defeating themselves in their dreams, and then they started defeating themselves in the battle. I love that. One of the crucial lessons of Gideon is that there's a time to be still in the battle, and then there's a time to pursue the enemy and finish the fight. I want to end with this thought this morning. Judges 721 says, each man stood at his position around the camp and watched as all the Midianites rushed around in a panic, shouting as they ran to escape. Do you know there are times in the battle you need to stand still and see the salvation of the Lord? Can I remind you, let God work. Here's what was cool. Those 300 men, Stood and got to watch God do a work how'd you like to be part of those 300 men? If there was a time I'd like to go back in history, I'd kind of like to be standing next to Gideon. I'd like to go back and just look at his face as all of a sudden they blow the trumpets and they break the pitchers and all of a sudden their enemy begins to panic and turn on one another. Gideon and the soldiers are just standing there watching God do a work that they didn't even have to get involved with. They were afraid that somehow God was going to have to use 300 to rout 135,000 and the enemy defeated themselves because of God. how many of you understand that God is faithful? Listen, sometimes you need to stand still and let God work. And many people do this. Sometimes after the shout, like in Jericho, you need to let the walls fall and let the enemy scatter. Hold the line. Stay at your post until it's time to pursue. But let God do a work. How many of you know that taught Gideon some pretty powerful things? I want to stand there. I want to go back in history. I really do. I hope we can do that when we get to heaven. I want to go back and stand there with Gideon and go, dude, this is pretty cool. But can I tell you in my own life, I've watched God do that. You've prayed. You've trusted him. You've done what he's asked you to do. And then you just need to stand still and watch God do the work. After God does the work, though, you can't just let the enemy run and leave it at that. It just gives the enemy time to pursue. Or to regroup. You need to pursue. I want to remind you that just because the enemy's on the run, doesn't mean that the battle's over. In Judges seven twenty four and 25, it says, Then Gideon sent messengers throughout all the mountains of Ephraim, saying, Come down against the Midianites and seize from them the watering places as far as beth and the Jordan. Then all the men of Ephraim gathered together and seized the watering places as far as beth and the Jordan. And they captured two princes of Midianites, Orb and Zeb. They killed Orb at the rock of Orb and Zeb. They killed at the wine of Zeb. They pursued Midian and brought the heads of Zeb and Orb to Gideon on the other side of the Jordan. As I was thinking about this, you ever remember that old song, The Eye of the Tiger? How many of you grew up liking Rocky? I remember Rocky IV. How many of you remember going to see Rocky IV in the movie theater? That's probably one of my favorite movies of all time. Listen, your enemies never defeated until the battle's finished. We're to deal with our sin in our life and with Satan in our life without mercy. I wanna remind you that your enemies do not cease to be enemies until they cease to exist. Listen, if there's sin in your life, you need to eradicate it. If Satan has a hold on your family or a church or a city or a country, you must fight until the enemy is defeated. Let me give you a for instance. How many of you rejoiced when Roe versus Way was overturned? Wasn't that a great victory? For decades, we fought that battle. But I want to remind you that the battle's not over because now the good fight continues from state to state at the local level. We can't control what the people of California will do, but we can control what will happen in Florida. And the battle isn't over. We must pursue it until we win and the issue is settled. But understand the battle is not just making sure that babies live, it's teaching people about responsibility, it's being there for them when they're going through the difficulty of an unwanted pregnancy. It's teaching people to love. It's providing practical support. It's financial aid and parenting skills and emotional support. Listen, how many of you know, just because one battle is won doesn't mean that it's over. We still what needs to be done. There's a lot we can learn from the life of Gideon. And a lot that's precious for the life of every believer. My prayer is that over the last two weeks, you'll have learned a lot of truths that'll help us to grow, that'll help us to be bold, that help us to be effective as a local church. If you've learned a little something from this morning, would you say a good amen? Amen. Come on, would you stand with me today? Believe it, miracles happen on Thanksgiving weekend. You're going home 15 minutes early. Glory to God. Listen, if you would, let me just ask you a question. If God spoke to you in this today and you've been in the middle of a battle, Would you just lift your hand? I want to pray for you. Listen, I want to tell you, you have victory in the name of Jesus. He is faithful. He is certain. He is sure. These things that are written in the word of God are for us to learn from and to grow from. Father, we thank you. Thank you, God, that you allow these stories, true things, to be given to us so that we learn and grow. Thank you, Father God, this morning for all the battles that we've been in and we've been victorious. Thank you, Lord, for the ones that we're in right now and we know that we've already won because you're on our side. We thank you, Lord, that you're preparing us for the ones that we'll face. I pray for those right now in the middle of some things and they doubt. I thank you, Lord, that you're going to answer every question in a way that assures them that you're faithful. God, thank you that there are doubts because they cause us to think and to ask. And that when we ask, we receive. We thank you, Lord, that doubt doesn't have to become unbelief. It becomes greater faith. And God, I pray for those that lifted their hands right now that they would find themselves growing in their trust and in their honor of you. Thank you, Lord, that you are raising up within this church, within the body of Christ as a whole, men and women of God like a Gideon that know they've heard from you, that know that they are loved by you that are confident that you have spoken to them, that are sure that you are faithful and they are willing to do the things that you've asked them to do. I thank you you will assure them by giving them things that are unmistakably proof that you're there. And then, Father, I pray that you'd give them the boldness to move out. For you haven't given us a spirit of fear, but of love power and of a sound mind. I thank you for believers that are fully equipped, fully ready to walk by faith and not by sight. The Lord, as we go about our week this week, thank you, Lord, for some days off for many. Thank you, Lord God, for time with family. Thank you for time to look around and be reminded of how good you've been. I pray for those that find themselves looking at the negative this week, those that could just see everything that's going wrong. I pray that just like you allowed Gideon's focus to shift and see that you've been good, I pray that you would shift their thinking today to see all the blessings that you've poured out in your life. Lord, we'll give you glory for doing it today. And we bless you in the precious name of Jesus. And everyone said...